As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Cowboys are set for another game this coming Thursday. Scratch that. Next Monday. Scratch that. Next Tuesday. The Cowboys are set to play another game against the uh, Baltimore Ravens. Might look a little bit different than we're used to for the Ravens, though. Instead of Lamar Jackson, J.K. Dobbins, they're rolling out RG3, Des Bryant. Meanwhile, the Cowboys putting uh, Andy Dalton. Mari Cooper out there. Looks like a throwback NFC Pro Bowl versus a throwback AFC Pro Bowl. But the Cowboys are still in this thing. And who knows what's going to happen with the Philadelphia Eagles and, of course, Giants. Washington. Looks like it's going to come down to the wire. So who knows? And maybe they'll beat the Ravens this coming week. We're here to preview it all on About Them Cowboys. I'm Kent Garrison producing, welcoming in the panel to cover the best of the best. When it comes to covering America's team. First, from the ticket, Saad Youssef. From the Eagle, Kevin KT Turner. And from the Athletic, Father John Mishoda. Fellas, guess we might need to put some finishing touches on, on last week's game, John, because Saad, Saad wasn't joining us uh, on our post-game episode. But uh, there's some stuff maybe in-house to talk about. And then John's got some questions from social media to dig into. So it's going to be good. Yeah, you know it's pretty wild though because we're we're talking about you know doing these these shows and getting ready for all these games. Um, I feel like in 2020 we've done a lot of, hey man, look if anything though you know I've learned who's important to me, or hey if anything I've learned not to take things for granted. And I think here's the thing that can uh, be true with the NFL. Hey man, it's kind of a miracle that they're even playing games anyway because. What's happening now as we approach week 13, and we're still in week 12, is we've had, as you just mentioned, tons of rescheduling. This Ravens-Steelers game, quite frankly, coming out because of the Ravens and a spread that the Ravens had, which uh, was allegedly began from a uh, their strength and conditioning coach, who has been des- described as some as a anti-masker, created an outbreak for the Ravens. Um, and then that Ravens-Steelers game will happen Wednesday. Then the, this pushing back the Cowboys game, which was scheduled, it's going to be a really crazy start for the Cowboys to have a game 
at 4 p.m. Uh, on 4 p.m. next Tuesday. I mean, I'm sorry, next next Monday at 4 p.m. was going to be really weird. Like the Cowboys are the opening act for another Monday night football game. That's kind of weird. <laughs> but it's been uh, changed again. So Cowboys-Ravens next Tuesday, December 8th at 7.05, we think. Now, things uh, likely likely uh, – well, you'll likely have Lamar Jackson by then. Uh, but right now, man, this is all like a day-by-day, hour-by-hour situation. I couldn't help but think – and I'll, I'll start with you, John – I couldn't help but think if I was the Pittsburgh Steelers, that would be like, you know what? We're good. Like, if the Ravens can't get their COVID act together, shouldn't they have to forfeit now that we're pushing? Like, the, the Steelers didn't do anything wrong. They actually lost their bye week, and they've had to move a game to Wednesday because of their opponents. So I feel like, I mean, the Cowboys, it's kind of worked as a, 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 a weirdly to their advantage because they're almost getting two bye weeks. Because of their game getting pushed back, it'll create another short week. But they they get a big layoff in between Thanksgiving Day game and then mm-hmm. December eighth. This, this yeah. is nuts, man. It seems like the NFL is, you know, they've done a great job so far. And we talked at the outset how, you know, I, I think I predicted like week six we would have to suspend this thing. They haven't had to suspend the season, so it's they've done an excellent, excellent job. We'd be the first to say I was wrong. I didn't think we'd get this far this this year. But you know, last year, last week, you're coming off a a week where you put a team out there with literally no quarterback on the roster in the in an NFL football game, and uh, you know the product wasn't wasn't the best. So maybe at one point, do they have to have to maybe push some stuff around here? It's kind of stacking up. It's kind of all coming to a head here. Yeah, if this was college football, they just wouldn't even be playing this game. Yeah. I mean, you've already seen it throughout college football because. There's just more and more games that continue to be postponed there. You already see players declaring early for the draft. Like it's it's getting more and more clear that they're about to try and wrap up the regular season in college football and just try and get to that college football playoff and and the bowl games. Whereas the NFL seems dead set on every team getting in all sixteen of their games. And so if the Ravens and Steelers don't do it now, they're gonna have to do it sometime at the end of the year to make it up. They're gonna have to play this game because I just don't get the feeling unless things get a lot worse that the NFL is going to be fine with just, yeah, some teams only played 15 games, other teams played 16. They're not going to want to do that. If anything, they'll push the playoffs back to make sure every every team plays their 16 games. And so, uh, like I said, that matters if if everything stays kind of where it's at and doesn't get any worse. Uh, obviously, things like that could happen, and then they kind of would have to adjust uh, and if that was to happen and then they trimmed games off from everyone's schedule, then I think what they would do is possibly add another playoff team to kind of make up for the loss of loss of the regular season games. Um, so yeah, uh, it's, it's crazy. I mean, uh, I can't say I've watched too many Tuesday night football games. So here we go. Yeah. And I think the Broncos, I, I think, I, you know, this is just purely speculation on my part, but it's almost like that player that Jimmy Johnson cut back in the day. You know, it's like you're not going to cut Michael Irvin or or someone like that. You're going to cut a marginal player. So it's like, you know, if we're going to if we're going to make a, a if we're going to create a lesson for the rest of the NFL, we're not going to do it with the Chiefs or the Ravens or the Steelers or or someone like that. Um the Broncos aren't going anywhere anyways this season, uh whether they have quarterbacks playing or not. So I think the NFL is just like Look, this is this is like a, a red flag for all you other teams. This is what can happen if you don't take care of you know your COVID protocols and things like that. 
Yeah, and you know that that was a that was a thing that I did kind of disagree with not trying to move that uh, Denver and New Orleans game a little bit, but I do want to like because I think it's real easy to be cynical about the NFL and look, oh well, you know they're not doing this, they're not doing that. Uh, they don't have a plan. They're just grab bagging. It is very easy to be that way. I just want to give them credit because here we are in December. Three fourths of the season is complete, and the most important thing to me was keeping all of these games on TV. And they've done that. And you're actually creating some more national TV outlets. Like, dude, Dallas Cowboys football on a Tuesday night. Okay, other networks, whatever you're running out there, your Tuesday night ratings are going to suck. You're going up against the Cowboys. You're, you know, and just NFL in general, like, will continue to own uh, in that regard. Uh, they've kept their product on TV, which. You know, go back to how we were thinking in April or May or whatever. Going, man, can we get sports back or something? Can something come back? You know, that, that could have been what happened this fall, and it didn't. So I, I want to give the NFL credit for getting it done at the risk of a lot of guys getting COVID. Like that's you know <laughs> totally totally what's happened. Um, the Cowboys haven't had many breakouts. Really, Andy Dalton. Um, really, the the big. Uh, name to get it, uh, but the Cowboys haven't had an outbreak, um, and, and a lot of teams haven't had major outbreaks. Obviously, we've seen nothing like the Ravens, but here we are. This is just what it is, and you know the Cowboys will, will heal up. Um, you know, don't think, do you guys get the feeling you know, they'd get any offensive line help out of this, pushing this game back a little bit further? It doesn't look like Cam Irving and, and Zach Martin would have a chance to come back from this, does it? No, I think there's a better chance that Zach Martin doesn't even play for the rest of the season, to be honest with you. But while we're talking about Zach Martin, let me mention this. What if he strained his calf because he was playing a position that he doesn't normally play? No one has talked about that yet. I've just, I was just thinking about that, uh, just randomly walking to get something to eat. <laughs> just because that would totally backfire on me because I've been saying since the day Lyle Collins went down that he should be right tackle. I don't think that's what happened. I'm just saying... What if that is what happened? Because I've always he's so wondered that. Right guard. <laughs> I've always wondered that in pro sports, when it comes to medical people, you know, all the doctors that are around you. Like, there's no way you can fake an injury, is there? Like, because they can tell if you're hurt, right? Like, if you say, "Oh, my calf hurts," can't they medically tell if your calf hurts? Like, can't they just feel around and be like, oh, no, it doesn't hurt. It's fine. You know what I'm well, saying? Well, I mean, like, I'm, I'm sure these guys have good enough relationships with trainers that that wouldn't be an, an issue if they, if they didn't want to play anymore. But I can tell you right now, if you were like, hey, uh, you got you got the entire Cowboys roster. Pick one guy in here that would never pull that. Zach Martin would be one of the guys that I would, yeah, yeah, I would never Martin, think that would happen. Zach Martin has played through so many like times when there's just been no reason for him to even be playing. You know, like he would be... Him and Dak Prescott, which ironically are also the, they're the team's two most valuable players, those guys would never do anything like that. I mean, heck, Zeke wouldn't do that. Zeke's had plenty of opportunities. He didn't. He, he, I mean, his hamstring's been messed up. He could have sat there and not played these last couple of games. Like I will say, as much as on the outside people talk about tanking and and just giving up and and these guys aren't playing or whatever like that, like I really haven't seen any like actual proof that you can sit there and say like yeah no these guys don't want to play anymore they just want this season to be over like there'd be there's other ways to do this you see it in college football you see guys right now like opting for the draft already like no nah, i've had enough here we're good we've this isn't going anywhere but that that really hasn't been the case with them yeah like if the cowboys give up like you know like oh here here's like a 14 play drive and the offense comes out and goes three and out and then they try a fake punt and it doesn't work and then like they give the ball to the other team in great field position 
And then, like, maybe on the second play, maybe, look, our defense just got gouged. Uh, I got to fake an injury on, like, play two of this drive after the fake punt doesn't work. I could see it there. Sorry, cheap shot, fly by at the fake punt that I'm still not over. Um, Saad, we got to get your thoughts on that uh, since you weren't on the postgame pod. Um, can we get your over, overall resounding reaction to what the hell happened uh, in the second half of that Thanksgiving Day game? Well, first of all, I think it's I think I agree with with, you know, the the wide opinion that the coaches really botched the botched the game. That fake punt, whether Goodwin is open or not, I mean, obviously he is, but but I mean just that call. I mean, if if they had if they had converted that fourth down, I still would look back and say that was a stupid play, a stupid call in that situation to do. Just the same way that early on in the game if if Andy Dalton completes that pass to C.D. Lamb, I'm still going, why did you not sneak the ball? Even if it's a completed pass, even if he draws pass interference, it doesn't matter. And so I think that was a dumb play call anyways. And I think the defense was, I, I, I don't know, the, the fact that the very next play, Antonio Gibson runs in the touchdown, kind of tells you where the players were. And then my second, my, my second you know, thought about that game is, Whenever Antonio Gibson ran it, ran that touchdown down the middle later in the game, uh, after it was 27-16, that was very Kenyon Drake 69-yard touchdown-ish to me. Like when Kenyon Drake against the when the Cowboys played the Cardinals, and it just looked like the Cowboys just gave up at the end of the game, and Kenyon Drake ran right down the middle. That's exactly what I felt the instant Antonio Gibson ran down the middle. I was like, this team just this defense just kind of folded. It just kind of it just kind of collapsed in a way. And, and against the Cardinals, we were questioning the players. Against the against Washington, the coaches did enough things to to take away the attention. But I do think that it was it, it kind of went back to those two weeks of doom of Washington and Arizona back to back. We got to add something to this too, KT. Um, we have we have some new developments that came since our last podcast about that, and that's. Everyone buckle up for this. Uh, now getting a chance to talk to John Fossil. That was supposed to go to Hunter Nicewinder. So this makes everything way worse. So if that's where that's supposed to be, and certainly Cedric Wilson isn't even looking at C.J. Goodwin, so that's just for people that just want to make arguments because clearly he's open, and now everyone has the advantage to look at all 22, so everyone can see it, but... John Fossil said Cedric Wilson came back to, to the sideline and said he couldn't even see C.J. Goodwin. So that was never going to happen. The first read and the way that play is designed, like I said on the last podcast from seeing it in practice, was confirmed by John Fossil. That's the throw to Hunter Nicewinder. So what are you getting off that? You're doing that to jumpstart your offense? So on 4th and 10, that might pick up 15 yards. So it's not like your offense is like all of a sudden in the red zone. Like that's going to be the spark that just gets them going that – the spark that you didn't feel you had like three plays before, like what was that going to get? And not to mention it's a punter. Like there's a good chance that he drops like a wide open pass. I mean, let's, let's be serious here. So that makes to me, it makes it even, it, it makes it, it's the worst call that I've seen from a coach in my time covering the team. And that is after a lot of questionable calls from Jason Garrett. Right. And, and, and like, I, I fail to see the positive side of it. And again, I want to be real clear. When you're talking about that play, you're not talking about how it ended up. You're talking about the decision beforehand. You're not talking about what happened on the play. 
You don't have the decision beforehand. And and I think like after hearing John Fossil talk about it, I felt worse about it um, because I, I remember he was running through some of the scenarios. He goes, oh, here's some things you look for, you know, where you're at on the field, how many yards to go, how much time's left, what the score is. And I was like, yeah, all of the things would be a no. Like if you're making a pro and con list, should we go for it? You go, you know what? We can do this. Four minutes left in the game, maybe. Maybe it's a little obvious that you'd be going for it there. But four minutes left in the game, okay, maybe. Twelve minutes left, defense hanging by a thread and hanging on. By the way, Alex Smith not throwing the ball more than 15 yards down the field. Just not happening. Like, there were guys running open. Also throwing to a linebacker on your team that doesn't make plays. Yes, like, let's not, like, act like they were torching uh, the Cowboys' defense. I'm not saying the Cowboys' defense was the 2,000 Oh, Ravens, real quick, real quick, but, like, my favorite one. torched. My favorite one from McCarthy. I just believe in my players. I believe in them. Okay. But when you Go run to- that, when you start talking that, then why do you ever punt? So next time you punt, you didn't believe in your players. <laughs> you, didn't, you, didn't, you didn't believe in them, Mike. You, you punted there. It was, it was only 4th oh, and 2, God. but you didn't believe in them. 4th and 15, 4th and 20, 4th and 25, 4th and 40, 4th and 50, 4th and 65. I don't even know if that's ever even happened in the history of NFL. Just go for <laughs> it, because if you don't, you didn't believe in your players. I, I'm amazed, though, because I'm, I'm at least getting this. And uh, Kent, Saad, uh, feel free to weigh in, John. I'm getting people, at least on my social media timeline, if I'm a little critical of McCarthy, I'm getting people defending him. Okay, KT, look at this team, though. The injuries, blah, blah, blah. The injuries have nothing to do with that decision, and that game with all these injuries was winnable. I keep going back yeah. to that. Like, it was a winnable game. So I, I'm still seeing I, people I, defend him, and I found that decision to be indefensible. Yeah, I think that decision was indefensible. The only real defense that I have of McCarthy that is legit is it's it's tough to come in your first year and have this whole COVID thing and no training camp and, and none of that. I'll give him that, but that doesn't excuse that decision, and that doesn't excuse a lot of other things. I mean, you talk about injuries. Nick Mullins and the 49ers just beat the Rams. The Cowboys couldn't do that in week one when they were at their healthiest with everybody except for Lyle Collins. Everybody else played in that game, and Nick Mullins and the 49ers, who have everybody on the COVID list, and IR just went out and did that. So I don't want to hear all these different excuses because that, I mean, it's out the window. You literally cannot have any of those excuses with me because in two games, you were blown out 66 to 19 to a team that also has a new coaching staff who has a head coach who was dealing with cancer, who is a team that is in such disarray I would argue the worst run franchise in, they don't in, have a in the NFL. They don't even have a team name right now. They're called the Washington football team. And, and they are blowing the doors off you both times that they've played you. And that organization hasn't beaten you both times in the same season since 2012. So I agree. If these games where they were like made bad decisions or they had these bad losses were just like, yeah, we're just playing the Saints and the Steelers and, and the Chiefs and we just can't get it going. I mean, they, they have a lot of continuity. You just that does not work when it's against the Washington football team. Yeah, yeah, good point. And you know, the only thing I'll say to to the comments thing is, you know, the look at why McCarthy McCarthy was brought in here. The, the reason he got this job, 
the experience, keep the train on the tracks, right? The train is so far off the tracks that it's down in the ditch in the river, like literally under 20 feet of sediment, you know? Like I think the the Jones family, when they brought Mike McCarthy here, they're like, okay, our floor is probably eight and eight with this guy, you know, because we're so talented. He's got so much experience at this, at this level in the playoffs. Our floor is eight and eight. You know, if they had known or thought yeah, that, that, that it would be this far off the tracks, the last guy. yeah, if they if they had ever envisioned, and of course they wouldn't, but envisioned a, a scenario where they were in this situation by halftime of the first year, McCarthy, McCarthy wouldn't be here. We would have Lincoln Riley or Matt Rule or one of these guys that could act that, you know, a total reset of the mentality of this football team and, and really try to, you know, plan for the future. So... Of course, we have the we have the right to um, you know, criticize McCarthy because he isn't doing his job, <laughs> and uh, until he starts doing that, I don't know why any Cowboys fans can say, at a, you know, looking at this team with the record that they have, that that this is what they wanted or, or what they want. You know, what I will say is I like Mike Mike McCarthy's attitude. I like his 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 um, I don't know his energy with the players. I think like. That's something to build off of, but but the stuff on the football field, not at all, not at all. So you know, if you're going to criticize McCarthy, and you're a fan, I think you just have to look at what was on, what's on the tape, and that's what we've been doing. And I think every conversation does go back to this: the very simple. It's almost like a, a, a big, uh, you know, asterisk on it. Just like saying, "Look, we understand didn't get to bond with the players at training camp. We understand that Dak's knee exploded." We understand that Tyron and Lyle are like all those things are a part of it. Um, I, I wanted to say this, and I, I, again, I don't want to, uh, you know, turn McCarthy into a pinata, um, but like I have friends who both live here and up there, friends who are Packers fans and have watched every game he's been a part of since 2007, and they laughed. Well, when, when the Cowboys made this hiring, they were like, huh? Why? They're hiring him? Why? Like how we felt when the Giants hired uh, Jason Garrett. Yeah, same, same, same thing. And yeah, maybe it's a little too close to the sun happening. Yeah. Um, but look, I, I, what, what does bother me was when you see, like, look, I can live with Jim Fossil. Uh, I'm sorry, John Fossil, and the, um, you know, the up and down nature of how aggressive he's going to be on special teams. I, I can actually live with that. The, the the criteria before the decision is even made has to check out. And it didn't. And then the defense, you know, I'm not saying the defense quit, but God, yeah, I saw a pretty big effort level change. You know why? Because they, they were deflated. Because they had done worked their ass off to keep this team in the game all game long and keep it a one-score game. And decisions out of their control made it not be that. So that's kind of, that's kind of where I stand on that. But... You know, that's a, look, they probably going to do this a lot, you know, and hopefully he redeems himself with good coaching decisions. Uh, three and eight, the Giants get the win. The, um, uh, and also, like, um, we don't know what's going to happen with the Eagles. I assume the Eagles will lose tonight. The Eagles already, like, I'm going to say they're giving up on Carson Wentz, but it's wild that Jalen Hurts is going to play against the Seahawks. Maybe we'll know a little more about what happened in that game. We'll talk about that one on the next podcast. So still full-on chaos around the division, if that uh, if you're into that type of thing. And I say it every week, and we all kind of roll our eyes. Still a chance. 
still a chance. Just, just saying, yeah. there's still a chance. Um, now, I, I think uh, Dane Bru- uh, Dane Brugler's our, our buddy, right? He does the oh, Prospects yeah. to Pros podcast. If you're not listening to that, oh man, what yeah, you, get on, what are you doing? get on that. That's uh, it's like some of the best draft stuff you're going to get around this time. But we're going to have Dane on on this show here in the next week or two. Um, so look forward to that too. Um, talk some Cowboys centric draft stuff. But yeah, man, uh, you know, you know the draft show. KT, you know, you've been on the draft show. Dane and I did the draft show together at Cowboys.com for, I don't know, five, six years together. And so we kind of brought that over to The Athletic with uh, Lance Zerline at the helm with uh, with Dane. And, uh, yeah, those two guys go every week, talk draft, and they'll be doing it until the draft and after. So check that out. It's awesome, and I, and I encourage everyone to go check that out uh, as soon as possible. Now, with the, the Cowboys' loss at 3-8, and eight, still the fourth-worst record. Dane is released on The Athletic. Uh, if you're a subscriber to The Athletic, you can just go to the website or the app and get this, his first mock draft. And what this mock draft typically does is blow up Dane's mentions as people just uh, you know bitch at him for who he picked uh, for, for each team. But the Cowboys are picking fourth. So you guys uh, want to see what the Cowboys went on this first mock draft? Okay, we- so I'm assuming um- – both quarterbacks are gone and Penny Sewell's gone. So, uh, Jets, Trevor Lawrence, yes, sir. Uh, which, which, by the way, I I think Trevor Lawrence will contest that if the Jets don't go out of their way to do something that might make Trevor Lawrence happy, like hire their next coach, make it someone that Trevor Lawrence approves of or something. I, I can see him doing a little Eli Manning or uh, John Elway type you thing won't, there. You won't find many people that would enjoy – Dabo Sweeney in front of the New York media more than me. I'll tell you that. Oh right my now. God. That will not happen. Oh I'm just God. saying you will not okay. find somebody that would enjoy that more than I would. <laughs> that would be amazing. Uh, Jaguars take quarterback Zach Wilson from BYU, who I've watched quite a bit of. That BYU offense is fun. Um, the Bengals take offensive tackle or guard um, Pene Sewell of Oregon, who's sitting out, so you can't really watch him this year. You have to find tape from last year. And with the number four pick in the 2021 Dane Brugler Mock Draft 1.0, the Dallas Cowboys select. Son of former comedian Caleb Farley, cornerback from Virginia Tech. Just kidding, it's not Chris Farley's son. Cornerback, Virginia Tech, Caleb Farley. So Justin Fields I'm, is on the board and they're passing. Taking the corner. I'm gonna I'm gonna read you what Dane wrote. He says that the Cowboys have a chance at Sewell. I don't think they would pass on Sewell. Uh, but if he is off the board, that leaves two options. Trade down or take the top defensive player available. This draft class lacks a no-brainer top defender like Chase Young. So, there you go. Mm. Caleb Farley, Virginia Tech. Um, I think they trade I'll tell down. You this. Yeah. I think they try. I think they want that phone ringing, yeah. which was like, okay, we're trading down, which is great. Like, you get more picks, but... Well, in that scenario... In that scenario, they, they would be in great shape because I think somebody could be calling them for Justin Fields. Um, mm-hmm. But if they're in that position and, and Justin Fields is gone, I, I'm not sold right now. A lot can change between now and the draft. I'm not sold that someone's coming up for one of those other qu- quarterbacks. And I agree with Dane. If Sewell's there, why wouldn't they just take him themselves? So why would you, if you were sitting there and he was there, why wouldn't you just draft him yourself as opposed to trade back? I think 
that he is just kind of is separating himself from the rest of the non quarterbacks. So, but in that situation, oh yeah, no, that would be that would be ideal because there would be a team I would think that would be interested that Justin Fields is slipping and the Cowboys would be a team that's looking to move back. Yeah, absolutely. But I have no issue with with taking the best corner available. You know, if they're sitting there at four or five, something like that. You know, I mean, I like Patrick Sertain. Um, you know, I know he's not, he's probably not as fast and, and maybe his numbers won't be as, as great at the combine, but I love the bloodline. I love that Alabama background, the idea of pairing him with Trayvon Diggs. That all sounds great to me on paper. So, uh, but yeah, that, I mean, either one of those sound, sound like a, they would really help right away. I mean, either one of those guys are going to start right away. Yeah. And I think, I, I think it all depends on the quarterback, uh, movement at the top of the draft. So if Sewell goes within the top three, and, and we're assuming the Cowboys stay at four, then I think they, they, they have to have a trade-down partner because even if, say, Justin Fields goes number two, well, then someone will be looking to go get Zach Wilson. So I think, you know, Zach Wilson and Justin Justin Fields and Zach Wilson seem to be a lot more closer um, than Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields, which is kind of what the perception was early on in the year, but I think Zach Wilson's play and Justin Fields' play and Trevor Lawrence's play has has kind of separated Lawrence from the other two, and now those two seem to be going together. So I think if they stay at four and if Sewell goes in the top three, then I still think that the Cowboys will have a trade-down partner, and I think that's probably what they'll do. The only problem with that is that, and I've mentioned it on here before, is that the Giants and Lions wanted to get out of three and four last year. Yeah, and the two teams that. behind them allowed Tua and Herbert to fall right to them, and they couldn't get anything. And they were ended up with Jeffrey Okuda, who hasn't even had a better rookie year than Trayvon Diggs, and Andrew Thomas, who has been very underwhelming. I, I, I know that the Lions were, and I'm sure the Giants were trying to get out of there too because they weren't going to take a quarterback. And to me, I, I, I mean, the BYU kid, everything Dane says is just like he's off the charts. But I don't know that he's any more impressive than Tua or Justin Herbert were. I mean, Justin Herbert was a guy that a lot of people were surprised he even came back to school because they thought he'd be the number one overall pick the year before, and he's obviously playing like that to that level. So um, maybe, but I just, I'll believe it when I see it. I just don't think, it's all about what you're looking for too. I mean, are you willing to take just, you know, maybe a second or something, or, or do you want this, like, we got to get two ones and whatever, like, you might not be getting what you're hoping for because I've just seen, I've seen the words Hall and, and boatload used way too much on Twitter about what they could potentially get in return. And if you just follow the way the draft's kind of gone, there's no, there's just, no, I'm just saying they could, but there's just no guarantee that you're going to get that haul or that boatload if you're pick, picking at four and the quarterbacks are gone. Never guarantee that phone rings. I go back to the 2016 drafted round two. On the Cowboys board, they had Emmanuel Ogba and Kevin Dodd. And this is in round two. Obviously, they were picking third. And Ogba and Dodd go off the clock. And there they are waiting on the phone to ring. It's not, and they were like, hey, turn it in, Jalen Smith, now. No, they're like, someone call. Someone's going to call us, right? Okay, Jalen Smith. We have to take him now. Like, you get, you can't get in binds in these draft rooms where the phone does not ring. And and last year was an example of like, well, that, not every year the quarterbacks are one, two, three, four, like that. So it'll be interesting to see what teams think of Trey Lance, the North Dakota State quarterback, and Dane's mock. He's got him going to Washington at eight. Well, the other and thing is that Justin Fields is going at six. There's been some issues for if you look at the history of like when have the trade ups worked out so well? I mean, didn't they trade up to get Goff? They trade up to get Carson Wentz. Trade up to get uh, even though it was only one spot to get Mitch Trubisky. Like, there's just been a lot of swing and misses and and teams that are left without first round picks for several seasons because it yeah. didn't end up being the guy they thought it was. Now, 
I think that you obviously would do that if if you get Trevor Lawrence and maybe Justin Fields, but I don't know if that's going to be everybody, especially quarterbacks from BYU and North Dakota State. And I'll be interested to see where the Cowboys end up. Because I, I still am of the thinking, maybe I'm flawed here, but I still think they sneak out a couple more wins this year. And, you know, instead of picking four. You're always so picking, optimistic. I just think they're picking closer to 10 rather than four, I think. I watched some Brandon Allen yesterday in Cincinnati, so I feel like the Cowboys have a chance. Um, but there was a lot of bad football yesterday, guys. There's a lot of bad football happening yesterday. A lot of bad quarterbacking happening in some areas. Poor, poor Denver. I mean, this felt so bad. Um, yeah, but now, if, you though, just, if you just sat there and you just waited for Tampa Bay to play the Chiefs, I think I think you got your money's worth there. So, yeah, that was yeah. fun. And then Aaron Rodgers put on right, a show. Yeah, yeah, that came with some from Mitch Trubisky though. Had a, a, a nice, <laughs> nice helping of that. Dude, Daniel Jones is hurt in New York. Like, every team that gets the division lead, it's like, oh, well, now it's the Colt McCoy show. Like, what <laughs> is happening? How? This can't the be allowed. Only healthy, the only healthy starter is freaking Carson Wentz, and he's getting put out by his own coach. <laughs> yes. The only starter the only starter left is like, well, he's kind of broken right now, so we're going to send him up to the North Pole and let Santa's elves work on him. Here's some Jalen Hurts. We'll see what happens tonight with that game. Now, what we uh, do from time to time is we encourage you to follow us on Twitter and send us some questions. Uh, at John Machota is a good source for this. J-O-M-M-A-C-H-O-T-A uh, is how you would spell his last name. M-A-C-H-O-T-A. And it, no H on the John. Uh, interesting that he goes with the, just a straight J-O-N. Uh, you know, I, I, it was a, a, a choice his parents Is your name made. Jonathan, John? It is, yeah. Jonathan Machota? <laughs> yes. Father Jonathan? All right. We'll got it, with John. Got it. Or no, it's John. <laughs> what was their thought process in not having the H? Well, there usually is an H in, in Jonathan. There's not one in so, Jonathan, yeah. It's usually so when you your go. name is just when you're just named John, then it's there's usually an H. But if you're most Johns, you know, like John Gruden, stuff like that, like they're gonna yeah. usually be just yeah, John Bon Jovi. John Bostic. Oh. John Bostic, okay. We're going to John Runyon, uh, the the former Harry Eagles tackle or guard. Uh, his neck hair was incredible. It's always, it's like, dude, that's disgusting, man. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. We asked you to ask some questions, Cowboys questions, and you sent them in, and I got tagged in some of them, but I didn't look uh, because uh, we kind of wanted this to kind of be a surprise. I want John to kind of throw these questions out, and then uh, we'll, we'll go from there. So, John, take the, some of the best ones that you've collected, and uh, let's have a little Cowboys mailbag action. All right. First one comes from Cowboys State of Mind. 
who I really like their avatar picture. It's uh, it's, it's uh, Allen Iverson with a Allen Iverson Cowboys jersey. Anyway, uh, knowing the difficulties of this offseason and current season, would the Cowboys have more wins right now if they had last year's coaching staff? I don't yes. think there's any question. I think we said, talked about that last week. I said, yeah, they would, they would, they would be winning more games, at least two more games. If Jason Garrett was here, I think. I think it'd be about four or five wins. I, I okay. This is where I disagreed because I think the house would be on fire, even worse than it is now. <laughs> I, I truly believe that. But I, as the, the way things wrapped up last year, and there were some in-house issues last year, I think that would have carried over. So I think I don't think they'd be, and I maybe they may be three and eight still, but I don't think they would have a couple more wins. I think they, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm with, uh, I'm with the other guys. I, I think they'd have at least a couple more wins, just because. I, I'm not saying the players have quit on McCarthy, but it just, it, it does say something when you know you have the, the way that the players felt about Jason Garrett, and you still see that you know whenever his former players talk about him, I just feel like some of that. There'd be more engagement. I think they maybe have a couple more, but I, I don't think it'd be anything drastic. Like they wouldn't be, you know, winning nine games or anything like that. Well, if they had the old coaching staff, they wouldn't have had all these injuries. I'm just kidding. There's no way you could have predicted that. But no, um, no. Uh, it, with the old coaching, I just think there would have been a lot more continuity in the off season. And then the biggest thing is when you talk about the old coaching staff, it. Comparing it to this one, the first people you think of are going to be like Jason Garrett, obviously, and Mike McCarthy, and you're thinking of the offensive side of the ball. Me, personally, I'm just looking at the defensive side. I just think there would have been a lot more continuity. Uh, it wasn't a great defense before, but it was never as bad as it got early in this season, clearly why they were making a transition. And we saw once there was the buy-in, they started playing better. I mean, really, for up until the fake punt, I thought they were playing pretty solid against Washington on Thursday, so... Um, but yeah, I would say, I mean, I don't think it would be a lot more, but I think they would have a couple more wins with the previous coaching staff. And I, I'm not really even saying that as like a knock on Mike McCarthy. I just mean because of COVID and just, it would be easier Absolutely. to transition into this new or into these different kinds of adjustments and things like that with a coaching staff you're more familiar with. I mean, there was just a lot of stuff that this new staff had to teach via what we're doing right now, you know, talking, you know, online and, and, you know, doing virtual playbook, things like that. So, um, so we'll go to the next one. Adam McNew says, we kind of talked about this a little bit, but assuming 77 doesn't retire, uh, could you draft Sewell and play him at left guard until 77 gets hurt, hurt again or retires? Those are his words, not mine. Um, and I think, yeah, KT, you talked about it before, but yeah, I think that is doable, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, uh, also, you know, the ratings could change by, you know, draft experts out there. But anytime Sewell comes up, it seems like people ask about Tyron. And I, I just say, like, Sewell, from what I've watched from his 2019 time at Oregon, he is going to be my number one guard. Uh, and he's probably going to be my number one tackle in this year's class. Uh, I think I'll put him at tackle just because it's likely what he's being drafted as when he gets drafted that high. But I, I would be surprised if I find a guard or a tackle that impresses me more than him. That being said, Daniel Jeremiah says that Rashawn Slater of Northwestern who uh, Bobby Belt, our good friend, is a, is a big fan of. Had, he has him ranked as his number one tackle. So maybe there is some debate up there at the top. I think I think this year, it's a bad year to like want to tank, I think. Um, unless you're going for the ultimate, you know, <laughs> going for the Trevor Lawrence. Because just like, there's, there's going to be debate up and down NFL teams, not only because of COVID, but just because of the, the talent in general. 
starting at two to nine or ten, you may have different opinions on who two, three, four, five, six, seven is. Just because it's 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 just it's not that clear cut this year than maybe it has been in years past. Where you go, all right, Chase Young, boom, lock it in. Who's next? Or Jalen Ramsey, uh, Joey Bosa, you know Zeke, whatever. Lock it in. Like it's not. It's just not as clear as maybe it has been in the past. Yeah, going going back to the question real quick though, with with Sewell um, guard or tackle, I think. You know, I, I I go back and forth on this because as as we see with Zach Martin, if you're an elite offensive line talent, you can go back and forth. However, I remember the the two years with Connor Williams and John. You were you were you know in the locker room and everything. You know this probably better than I do. That dude, Connor Williams. Now he's a second round talent, but he was still a, a really good talent, an offensive line talent. He had to transform his body quite a bit to go from tackle to guard, and I, I like I'd be hesitant. You know, to to be like, hey, play guard right now, and then you know, like, like the like the questioner said, say Tyron gets hurt in week three or four. Okay, now swing out to tackle and left tackle at that. Not even right tackle. Zach Martin's playing right tackle, but to go from left guard to right tackle, I think it takes a different body type sometimes, and that's where I would have the hesitation. Where you, if you have an elite left tackle prospect, I don't want to screw him up by making him play left guard and have a left guard body for a little bit. David Miller asks, since the Cowboys are very unlikely to replace McCarthy, who would you replace on the coaching staff and who would you replace them with? Yeah, like this this is where it kind of gets fun because I, I, it may be unfair to say this, but Mike Nolan is the guy who's has the hottest seat, right? We all, we all agree there. Yeah. I don't want to be unfair to the guy. It seems like a nice guy, but, uh, you know, uh, I and the man, the jalapeno thing in the eyes always, or, or the hot sauce thing always, I still feel bad for him. There's going to be a lot of names that get kicked around at defensive coordinator. Um, there is, um, you know, like <laughs> a lot of people have fun with like, oh, Wade Phillips. That might be good. I, I don't know. Wade Phillips would be a great fit. Wasn't that John, would you take a look at Matt Patricia? Uh, I wouldn't actually. Um, the person I would look at would be uh, the assistant defensive coordinator. I don't think he's the assistant defensive coordinator. I think he's the secondary coach slash assistant, whatever. But with the Steelers, uh, Terrell Austin, and he's a guy that some people are considering that he could be for head coaching jobs. He was actually the defensive coordinator for the Lions before Patricia was head coach. And the Lions actually, that's the best defense they've had in a long time. They made the playoffs two out of three years. He was their DC. And then he went after Patricia got the job. He went over to the Bengals for one year, and it's like obviously things didn't go well because the Bengals are terrible. But so now he's on obviously Pittsburgh staff, and they're doing so well. He's going to get a lot of a lot of interest. So Terrell Austin would be one guy. Um, but I will say this: I do find it interesting that when you hear about guys going from the college ranks at the coordinator position, you you hear about like like we just saw like Joe Brady goes from one great year at LSU to be in the OC at the Panthers, and his name is just skyrocketing. A name we hear all, all the time out of offensive coordinators is Clemson's Tony Elliott about going to the NFL. And I just think it's interesting that you never hear about the DCs going to the NFL. Like Dave Aranda was with LSU, and they were and they were awesome last year, and now he's the Baylor head coach. But, you know, maybe that – and maybe that's because they want to stay in the college game, and I get that. But, like, for the current college game, I mean, you just look at two of the top teams right now defensively, and, and that probably will be in the college football playoff. You look at Clemson, Notre Dame. 
Clemson has Brent Venables. Notre Dame has Clark Lee. Like, again, I don't know that those guys are even interested in going from college defensive coordinator to NFL defensive coordinator, but I just see this trickle up constantly from the college game to the pros. So I just don't know why there there isn't more kicking of the tires on guys that are getting the job done in college to possibly come up to the pros. And, and hey, I don't know. I'm not in... I'm not in the hiring process for that. Maybe head coaches prefer a guy that's got NFL experience. So because of that is the trend that you stay within the NFL, I would think it would have to be somebody who is probably like a linebackers coach or a DB coach on another NFL team right now that's obviously having defensive success. Yeah, or I think sometimes it's just you know a defensive coordinator who's having enough, su- enough success to be good, um, but but not enough to be a head coach type thing. And and I don't know. I, I feel like there's a couple of candidates in the NFC South, um, though I think the first one that I'm going to mention, Dennis Allen for the Saints, might be might be up for a head coaching gig at some point. Uh, you know, he obviously he had a failed stint with the Raiders, but then but that is the Raiders. So I think he might be up for something. And then Raheem Morris for the Falcons. You know, depending on what the new regime at, in Atlanta brings in, like well, who the new coach is. If you assume that they don't bring Raheem Morris back as the head coach then I think Raheem Morris could be an interesting one. Yeah, if they don't, if the, absolutely. If the Falcons don't make him their head coach with how they've turned it around and they want to go in another direction and he's available, man, that would be amazing if they could get him. Now, t- two names that I always uh, think of. One is, I know, he wouldn't come back, but I always think when we talk about this is like how I thought Eberflus would have been a perfect DC to take over after Marinelli. And you have to change much. I know we all kind of wanted some changes to the defensive scheme, and that wouldn't have been the case. But I think Eberflus has shown a little creativity and things like that. I really thought Eberflus was a great coach, and it sucked to see him go. And he basically went because he didn't want to replace Rod Marinelli, and he didn't want Marinelli to lose his job. Um, But another thing to keep an eye on is the feud happening in Tampa Bay right now between Tom Brady and Bruce Arians. And should that hold staff? I don't think Arians would get blown out if things got ugly. There's some, there's some, uh, to, to steal a quote from a former Cowboys running back, there's some meat left on the bone on this season and that relationship and how that could play out. And Todd Bowles has been the defensive coordinator for a pretty good defense. And I know Todd Bowles had, had a coaching, uh, you know, chance before with the Jets, but I think he's the type of guy who might get a second chance at a head coach and a, or, or, or a second chance, uh, like in a legit, you know, organization. But if he didn't get a head coaching job, maybe he's a guy who might want to get a more high-profile thing if their coaching staff were to change in Tampa Bay. Um, but there's, like, established names. Like, right, I mean, every year, or don't we talk about the 49ers, D.C., Sala? Every year, everyone's like, okay, this guy's going to move up and get a head coaching job, and he never gets it. Chris Richard has been a high-profile name. Was he's out? Is, did he get with a team? Like, he's out of the league, right? Or did he jump on with a team that I don't know of? I think he's um, out. I think he's out right now. Yeah. Makes me wonder if it would be, if they were to make a change there, if it would be secondary um, oriented, maybe looking more there than somewhere else. But I don't think it's something that would happen internally. You know, I think it, I think it would be out of the, but I, I also th- don't think they want to revamp the scheme again and seeing how it took two months to get everyone to buy in this year anyway. So you know, maybe they run it back with Mike Nolan. You know, I, I want to go back to the point that Mike McCarthy let Dom Capers stick around for a long time in Green Bay. And the thought there was that that was not a GM making calls. McCarthy kind of saying, yeah, well, let's, let's keep him on because they were good friends. So I could see Mike Nolan being back as DC next year. Yeah, I could too. It wouldn't, it would, that would not surprise me at all. I actually think it's over 50% chance. It might even be a 60, 70% yeah. chance he comes back. Um, but 
like we just mentioned, a lot, I mean, there are a lot of good names thrown out there. And like you guys both mentioned, there's a lot of everything's kind of fluid. You can sit here today and say, no, this is our guy no matter what. And then all of a sudden somebody else is available and you're like, well, I didn't know that this guy, this coach was going to get fired. Like we, you know, this, this would be amazing. I didn't think we'd get him. We, we'd even have a chance to get this guy. And then the fact that it's the Dallas Cowboys DC position, I think a lot of people would be interested in that. Uh, next one comes from GT game time 27, who says, which big contract Cowboys player do you feel needs to be on the trade block? The problem with this is that usually if it's a player that needs to go, they're probably not going to be traded. Um, just because that's just not how it works in the NFL. Usually, usually it'll end up being an off season release, but, uh, of the quote unquote, big contract players, I would say the leader in the clubhouse of guys, big contract that wouldn't be here next year would have to be Jalen Smith. Could you sucker a team into giving you something for Jalen? That's the question, right? Like you would be getting back a what, a late round draft pick? So like how are you – like does this team not have any access to any all 22? Like they don't get to watch any game film of anybody else? Fine. So if the player has to perform (laughs) a little bit. Okay. You know what? Uh, Amari Cooper. That could be a guy that – Actually, I think Amari is just – like I think he's like pulled away. I I can't for me personally. I came into this season thinking I don't know, man. By the end of the year, I think I'd be looking at this as like Ceedee Lamb's going to be the number one going to the next season. Uh, I don't see that. I mean, Ceedee Lamb I think is going to have an amazing career, but Amari Cooper is clearly my number one. Like I don't think it, anyone's even creeping in his territory. Uh, so well, I understand what you're saying because he's a big contract guy, but I I don't think he. he what would, would you have to give up? Like say say the Jets are like, all right, we're drafting Trevor Lawrence. We want we want to give him Amari. We want to get him a, a number one. Would you take a two for Amari at this point, knowing what you have, a wide receiver? It's still the way NFL trades work, and that money is still yours to deal with. You know, yeah. so I think I, I think I would need more than that. Yeah, I which, don't think they would do it for. I don't think they would do it for a two. If if, if NFL contracts work for you, it's like you trade a guy and the, his money immediately just goes with him, like boom, like the NBA does it, you know, which I think is the way it probably sh- should work, to be honest. Um, then I would be like, yeah, okay, you know, uh, take, you're taking the money and I get it too. Like there, we're, now we're talking. I think they're, and I think they need him. I, th- I think they need him for Dak. I think they need him for the offense um, because I think the idea is run this offense back next year. This offense is setting records, man. This offense was going to light things up this year. Uh, Dak, I think could, we could make the argument was going to probably have a chance to break the yards record. I think that was a legit thing that was going to happen. Um, so, like, I, I, I think it's just run back the offense. I think that'll be their plan. That's why I don't think they're just going to like, oh well, Tyron's done. Well, no, I think they're going to try to have Tyron play left tackle for him next year. And I know fans probably don't want to hear that right now, and fans are a little jaded by his recent injury uh, history. Um, but I think the Cowboys and the way they've done business over the years, they're going to try to run everything back the way it is next year. There is no cutting yeah. Zeke. Zeke will be here. Well, well, Zeke has to be here through at least 2022. But, I, you know, it's interesting. I think some of it might depend on the draft. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe Tyron is is tradable. Uh, he has a tradable contract where guys will take him. But if you get Sewell and if you're hell-bent on playing him at left tackle, then maybe you try to get something for Tyron who is still – a maybe not elite elite but still a very good to great left tackle and you can get good value for him and he has a pretty friendly contract so I think he might be the one if you get Sewell then you can look to trade Tyron otherwise I'm kind of with you guys like I don't know which contract you know matches up with the player that someone else would take so 
I got I got two questions left. One of them is going to take a little bit more thought than the other, so I'm just going to give them. I'm going to put them both out there. And the first one is from Adam WJ, and that's this is going to be the one that's going to take some thought here. It says you become the GM for a day in the off season, and you can only make five moves. What do you what moves do you make? So you get five moves. So give that some thought before we we'll, we'll do that. We'll answer that one last. Jordan Hussman says, if it weren't a job requirement for us, how much would we actually be paying attention to the Cowboys uh, after the season they've had so far? So you're oh, just that's tough. You know, you're you're KT, and you're in your you're in a band, and you're from Dallas. <laughs> so so you like the Cowboys, but you got gigs lined up, and there's no COVID, so that there are gigs lined up, and. You just kind of pay attention, or are you still the di- the in there watching every game? The difference is I would be watching the games on Red Zone instead of like watching the games full. Like I'd still be plugged into it, but I would not be watching every single every single play at all. <laughs> I couldn't subject myself to that. Now, if they were winning, I, I'd probably really enjoy watching that. I love watching this offense, so I'd, I'd be watching all of that. But, but yeah, if we weren't covering these games, uh, I would be yeah checking in from time to time probably. <laughs> Like I do with every other team. It's funny for me because like, I can tell you right now, like when I, before I moved to Dallas 10 years ago, I, I mean, I knew obviously I, I followed the Cowboys from afar and it's hard not to follow them if you're a sports fan. Cause they're always on TV, but like, I can tell you 100%, I wouldn't be, even be paying attention to them at all. But then I think about it sometime. I'm like, now that I've spent like a decade covering the Cowboys, literally it does not matter. I can win the lotto and quit my job tomorrow. Like I will follow the Cowboys until I'm dead. Like I will follow. I mean, cause just, you get to know like so much about the behind the scenes. Like I will always keep up with the Cowboys now. So even if it is Owen 16, I mean, heck I watched an Owen 16 Lions team in 2008 and watched every game. I even went to the last game in green Bay and froze. So yeah, I, I think that I would still pay attention regardless, but in saying that I'm not critical of anybody that wants to turn it off. And it's like, Hey, Get a hold of me. Get a hold of me in April when the draft starts. You know, I mean, I I totally understand that too. Yeah, I think you know, just if you're talking about local sports, and I'm still, you know, everything else is the same. I'm still a, a Dallas resident and keeping up. I mean, it took. I, I've always kept up with the Mavericks, even when they through went through lean years. Um, I've always kind of watched the Stars as well. The Rangers finally got me to turn them off in the last couple of years, where I just I just was not following them. So point is. It's the Cowboys. If I'm watching the Mavs and Stars and things like that, the Cowboys are a different beast. And football, I mean, if you're if you live in the South, it's just football is the bread and butter. I'm watching the Cowboys, keeping up with them no matter what, whether I'm covering the team or not. Yeah, you know, and this is where I think it's almost to me. And Jerry actually plays a big part of this. It's almost just the league um, for me more than it is the team. I think I'd be watching the Cowboys and following them either way. But I, dude, if you're running out Bengals and Jaguars, I'm going to watch it, you know? Like, uh, now, what Kent said, the noon game where there's seven other games on and Red Zone Channel's offering you little uh, glimpses of all of them, maybe that would be something. Um, I could say is, like, when I changed my my uh, my day job from working at a sports station to just doing a talk show that's more about really comedy and just pop culture more than it is you know, we'll still talk about the Cowboys every now and then because the Cowboys do fall into that category. But like my day job is less about talking Cowboys and coming up with 10 to 15 Cowboys angles per day. It's more about other stuff and really not that I haven't found myself watching or paying attention any less. 
Um, now maybe that's because I'm doing this and, uh, and maybe it's just habit after all these years, but the Cowboys are just such an incredible soap opera. So I'm locked in. I do think it's a great question though. Cause I do think there are fans who do not like the direction of this thing and do not like the effort they saw on national TV, you know, a couple times uh, this year. And I think there's a lot of people who are tempted to go, why the hell am I doing this? It's been 25 years. Uh, I can tell you that I personally do not feel that pain, but that's because, Ever since I was five years old, I've been a fan of a different football team. Um, yeah, but also, real quick on that, too, uh, I, I want to piggyback on what KT said because the league, it's not only the league in football, the league has done a tremendous job of how they made this 365 because think about it. Every single time we hop on this podcast, we're either talking about draft pick, playoff positioning, draft pick, playoff positioning. You're never really out of it. So you're watching them to make sure they lose. You're watching them to make sure they win. Like, for some reason, you're watching and reading the, about the Cowboys. And I think KT's right. It has a lot to do with the way the league is structured because the NFL has done a really good job with that. Whereas when the Rangers suck, there's no reason to watch that team. There just isn't. But when the Cowboys suck, you still want to make sure that they maintain a high draft position. You want to just check in. Hey, wait. Do they still? Yep, they still suck. All right, see you guys later. Uh, <laughs> all right, so five moves if you're GM. Okay, so I'm just going to start because I think I think two or three of these are we're all going to be on the same page, but uh, I'll just start with uh, at the top of my list is that I'm getting Dak Prescott's contract extension done. Yep. Uh, I'm getting a new uh, I'm getting a new defensive coordinator. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm parting ways with Jalen Smith, uh, and then I'm I'm finding ways to. Whatever I have to do, my, my my top two things in terms of the draft, free agency, what little money I have, I have to upgrade somewhere somehow at defensive tackle, and somewhere somehow at, at, I have to get play any kind of playmaker I can get on the back end. I need to get as many of them as possible. So, I guess my my final two would be upgrading at defensive tackle and up, upgrading at defensive back. No, I mean I agree with you on Dak one hundred percent. And I mean, a defensive coordinator, I'm not making a change just to make a change. I want to make sure it's someone I have in mind. I want to make sure that I'm doing due diligence on it and, uh, you know, interviewing as many candidates as possible instead of just putting a lot of blind faith in one guy who might have already won a Super Bowl to run the team. Maybe I just kind of, you know, maybe do the due diligence. Um, That's that's a couple things. With Jalen, you know, I, I don't see them doing it. I probably would try to go ahead and bite the bullet and move on, although that would make me really focus in on linebacker as well, and maybe I can bring someone in free agency. Okay, hold um, on real quick on that one. Hold on. Yeah. So, so so you're not doing that right now already? I don't think I want I mean, you as the GM I, of my team. Well, are, you not, good, are you good at linebacker? You're not already looking at linebacker somehow to try well, to upgrade no, no, it? No, no, of course, but like, I, I don't know if it makes sense to create – a big hole by and paying dead money for it. And, and with Jalen still, I know it's not like brutal. It's not like Zeke's deal. Like if you were to cut him or something, but like, I'm not sure that I would just do that already. And I'm, I'm trying to pull up the number. What's the dead money on Jalen? I should have this on the top of my head, but I don't, but like, I don't just want to have sunk costs. Like I, I can't do that. I don't how, have many people, money to how many, how many people in the Cowboys front office right now? know Jalen's dead money on the top of their head. <laughs> I mean, dude, if he if he was a June one, I can't do that. If he was a June one, we're looking at fifteen million of dead money over the next five years. If he was a pre June one, 
we're talking about he wouldn't be because it's too much. Um, he would be thirty-two. Oh my god, like thirty-seven or thirty-eight million dollars of dead money over the next five years. Does it? I I got it. I got it. You have the eighth I got pick. a running back. I got a running back for one more year because then it's a little less. It's seven million over four years. I got a running back for one more year. You have. I know that sounds awful. You have the eighth pick, and you got a chance to get Micah Parsons. Well, I'm not a big fan of taking linebackers in the top 10 or top 15, top 20, to be honest with you. And I know Roquan Smith will come at you and Devin Bush and Devin White may tell you what's up and even Ryan Chazier before he got hurt. I just, I feel like linebacker is such a position that you can get later on. Um, you look at all these guys in the league who are uh, you know, leading the league in tackles, not a great stat, but like so these good linebackers in the league are not, they're not, they're rarely these, Yeah, you know, Look at top five, uh, hey, top look at the 10, Super Bowl champs. Yeah, yeah, it was pillage, a- pillage Anthony, the line. The, uh, Anthony Cowboys. Hitchens. All they've done is pillage uh, the Cowboys Damian, roster for these guys. Damian Wilson, you know, yeah. guy Kyle Wilbur. Guys are still in the league. You know, like I was just thinking about that the other day. It just some of the like as much crap as we gave Jason Garrett, I really felt like he knew personnel. Like a lot of those guys that he, oh, there's no question that, he did. Yeah, that he drafted undrafted guys like Jeff Heath, still doing it in this league, man, and. It, that that might be his legacy is like what the players that he scouted and drafted do in their careers uh, in the long haul. It's actually ama- amazing, man. Imagine if they had kept Anthony Hitchens, you know, that, that would have been really nice to have. <laughs> no, no, absolutely. Look, you know, one thing I would say to add to kind of my list though, is I am looking for offensive line depth and defensive tackle. I don't know if depth, I mean, look, if you sign Dak, you're not going to have a ton of money to play around with. You've known that day was coming. You're not going to have a ton of money to play around with if you franchise Dak. So let's just, you know, let's not say, oh, Dak Prescott's costing you good players. you gotta, you got to secure some of these guys through the draft. But it doesn't help that you did strike out on Gerald McCoy, Don Terry Poe, and literally pretty much everyone that you brought in this year. Um, but any type of offensive line depth, defensive uh, tackle depth, um, those are types of things I really want to focus in on. And God, cornerbacks to the mix as well. We know they don't really care about safety. But I mean, cornerbacks to the mix as well. Guys who could come in and compete for the job. And I'm not saying, like, dude, Daryl Worley's types, you know, look, I get it. I, I realize people are rolling your eyes. But, like, guys who are veterans, like Maurice Kennedy opted out this year. Could he have helped this team? I don't know. Maybe. You know, like these kind of cornerback depths who are cheap uh, and, and cost-efficient. And guys are maybe trying to re-up their value. Well, things like that. Because they do need to have a little more depth and just go, you know what? One injury here, there's Terrence Steele. You know, there it is. You know, like it's got to be a little more than that. And um, that's kind of some areas of the team that I'd be focusing on. Because your high-end talent is there. You've signed all your high-end talent. They're playing. We know who they are. Yeah, I think for me it'd be – I agree with John on two of them. Uh, I'm definitely obviously with the Dak thing, and then I'm I'm with you on Jalen as well, um, because honestly I, I understand his dead money and all that stuff. I almost feel like having him on the roster forces you to play him, and I would rather probably see Luke Gifford right now with with Leighton Vanderesh anyways. So I'm fine I'm fine with that to be honest. Um, and then I'm 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 wishy washy on the defensive coordinator. I, like I, I kind of want to run it back with the whole coaching staff with a full off season, I think. Yeah. And then I'm I'm with you on defensive tackle as well. And then on the back end, I I hear you when you say back end because you know, and as KT just mentioned, the Cowboys obviously don't care about safety. But this is if I'm the GM, I'm addressing safety specifically, like free safety. I'm addressing that position, whether it's in the draft or anything. 
I think you have something in Donovan Wilson. And if you can just get another safety position, and then obviously you're going to have to fill out corner and things like that. But I think uh, I think safety would be a priority. Um, but in general, I think those would be my first five that I would do. All right, that's it for my questions. <laughs> yeah, like that's a that it's going to be a busy off season for sure. But I think like a lot of what you do, that's a weird thing. Those the draft comes after free agency, right? So like you know a lot of what they do, they it's already identified. They it's kind of clear based on the books what they're going to need to do. Uh, the Jalen thing though, like is there any if like if we do if we just cut him, is there any like what's the feeling in the locker room on that? That's a tough question I just threw out there. But it's like you watch the, the I national don't, I don't think I don't think he's some fearless leader that the that 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 the locker room is I think if you cut Demarcus Lawrence, if he was underperform if Demarcus Lawrence was underperforming the way Jalen is, I think there's more of a locker room element to Demarcus Lawrence of how huh. that would be received. Yeah. I don't think that exists with Jalen Smith. So the national media makes it sound like he's the leader of the defense though, you know? Oh, that's weird. Did, did they get something wrong? That's weird. <laughs> I heard that from Tom Pelissero. Has there ever been a player that's been rewarded so much for what they were and than what they are than Jalen? Because I feel like you know, giving him that con- he granted when they gave him that contract, he was coming off a Pro Bowl season. He, he was proving himself, but like, I still feel like they're waiting for Notre Dame Jalen. You know, I don't feel like a lot of players that they sign long term. They're waiting for the college version of that player to show up. <laughs> you know, okay. like they've already seen that most of the time. I just found the loophole, though. We talked about this earlier. So if you traded Jalen, and it, and it was a post June first trade, then you would only have five point two. You would only have like twelve million dollars of dead money over the next five years. Who? So if you want to tra- that- what are they trading for him? What team and what are they trading? Oh, seventh. Okay. Seventh? Uh, I just want to make sure. Let's not get crazy here. You don't get anything back for him. But Jerry says he's uh, the contract's a home run, dude. And Jerry (laughs) says Zeke's the best player on the team. So like, do you think you think Jerry? We know what this team's gonna do. You think Jerry really says? Do you think Jerry says all the things he really thinks? I think Jerry really thinks Zeke's the best player on the team. Absolutely. Tyron Smith's hurt. Um, I would say you can easily make the argument that he says these things. Like, we'll use Zeke for example. Because he wants to get Zeke's back, and he wants him to, you know, what, what owner? What what does it do for you if you come out there and go, yeah, he's not playing well? And uh, I mean, that's like for the coach to do. Like the owner's not going to do that, and that's not Jerry. Jerry's loyal to his guys uh, on the team. Now, when they're gone, he might say something about them and make a take a shot or something like Don Terry Poe. Um, but like, he's not going to do that when the guys there. And then with Jalen Smith, it's like if you are trying to get something for him, what does it make sense to go on the radio and be like, yeah, he's not good, like? We thought he was going to be way better than this. Like, I can't even believe he still plays. Like, he's not going to say that. Like, so, I mean, <laughs> there's a lot of things that you're going to say on the radio when you do two radio shows a week that you don't really believe. Like, here, here's here, here's one. Here's one. You can't sit here and tell me that Jerry Jones hasn't sat in that in that owner's box at some points during the season and, go, and, and thought to himself, did I make the right decision with this coaching hire? Now, he's never going to say that. It's never going to come out of his mouth. I'm sure there was plenty of times he thought that with Jason Garrett. Should I, should I have given him a contract extension? Like He's obviously thinking that a lot of the same stuff that fans are, but when you're the owner of the team, you can't sit there and say that stuff, especially when you talk as much as he does. Like He'll run his mouth about things that aren't team-related like that, and he might say stuff that undermines certain things, but like 
just show me the examples of when he's just completely thrown guys under the bus. And he's had plenty of opportunities to do it. And I'm talking like in the last 10 years. I'm not talking about Zeke back who? in the... Zeke who is kind of the most clear example of that. Yeah, but, but he was trying to get he, he was, was trying to get leverage around, on but, but he was, was trying to get leverage on that. That guy was not under contract. He was trying to yeah. get a contract done there. There was motivation in that. There's no motivation in, in trashing Jalen Smith or Ezekiel Elliott right now. Mm-hmm. No, that no, gets no, you no. nothing you, in return. You're you're right, but the other side of that is of how optimistic he is and just how many written in excuses he has. And also and how many, many written in excuses Mike Mike McCarthy has. Like those are all there. And those don't go away. Those are those are here until next year. Like those are all there. COVID, Dak, Tyron, Lyle, all of it will all be a part of this season. And at some point, and I say this, I think I might have used this uh, uh, example last time, and I apologize. It's like your friend who's not doing everything he's supposed to be doing, and he's like using the excuse of COVID. Oh no, man! I just let my kids play video games till four a.m. No, but COVID, man. Well, dude, this is where we are, and your team sucks. So, I'm, I'm just where we are. Like, I just, the reality of the situation. I've always felt that Jerry has had this ability in his head because he's an optimist, because he's a businessman, because he has power to construct his own reality. And I'm not sure that always lines up with what a, what's actually happening on the football field. If that makes any sense. Makes complete sense, yep. KT, except for the fact that we're on a podcast right now giving coaching and parenting advice, and we don't do either. <laughs> Dude, I have so many kids. That you uh, know you about? Know. Um, I think, too. Um, little mini fun tweets running around. Oh, my God. <laughs> Someday, hopefully. Gosh. Hopefully we'll have a little mini KT on the pod at some point in the future. Uh, um, no woman will have me. Well, you know, it's, <laughs> <laughs> ladies, slide in those DMs right now. KT fun tweets. Um, no, you know, to wrap that up, John, I think you know the last thing is you know this off season seems pretty obvious. Like what needs to get done? Get get Dak in here, make him happy, and then build around that. Um, I think that's pretty self explanatory. It's not like a typical offseason where you know take a look at a team like the bears right now who have lost like what five six in a row completely falling off don't know don't have a quarterback don't know what they're going to do at quarterback can't draft one the cowboys have a plan for turning this thing around now do they do it right who knows is mccarthy the guy in the long run i don't know but i think headed into the next season uh, you can you can patchwork this thing pretty easily Absolutely. And I know we got to go, but I was thinking about this while watching the 49ers and Rams yesterday and knowing what's going on with the Eagles. So they're going, man, I know we knew Dak's contract value was going to go up. Let's say Jared Goff has a standard Jared Goff December, a long December, as the Counting Crows would say. Let's say Jared Goff has a standard Jared Goff December and Carson Wentz is still broken. You think Dak's like, well, look, dude, you can't pay me anything close to what Goff and Wentz are making. It changes that a little bit, I think, uh, depending how the Rams and Jared Goff do down the stretch, as I would say there. So there it is, man. We'll be back again because, you know, the Cowboys don't play till next Tuesday, weirdly. Um, COVID has changed the NFL so much, and it's uh, changed the way we're doing our podcast. We'll figure it out. Thank you so much to Saad Youssef. Uh, keep following his work on The Athletic and over at The Ticket as well. Uh, to Father John Mishota, keep following his work all the time. 
producer Kent Garrison, producing all the shows, including the Prospects to Pros podcast as well. And then uh, I'm KT. I'm on the Eagle 97.1 uh, from 2 to 5 weekdays if you uh, want to come laugh every once in a while. Uh, please like, subscribe, share it with your friends. And uh, we'll talk to you a little bit later in the week, and we'll get you ready for Cowboys and Ravens, whatever that game happens. This has been another episode of About Them Cowboys. Be safe, everyone. Y'all stay corona-free, all right? And God bless. <laughs> <laughs>